I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, as part of our ongoing Indiaspora series, a conversation with the Vice President of TV at Google, Shalini Govil Pai. Stay tuned. It's funny how many dots we connect in a given day, and over the course of a lifetime. On this given day, though, thank you all for connecting the dots by listening to the show and telling your friends subscribing, downloading, and rating the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and following us on social media at Dr. Abhaydandekar. Now, in connecting these dots, each link we make doesn't always have to be linear, as there's lots of ways to get to the end of your own story. And this is what I found so fascinating in meeting and chatting with Shalini Govilpai as part of our Indiaspora series on Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Shalini was born and raised in Mumbai, the home of Bollywood and the entertainment industry in India. She studied computer science at IIT, and after immigrating to the U.S., got her master's and followed a passion for storytelling and an expertise in computer graphics to a company right here in the Bay Area that you might have heard of called Pixar. She was a technical director there and helped launch the blockbuster films A Bug's Life and Toy Story, as well as commercials for industry clients like Levi's. She later moved to YouTube and served as their Senior Director for Technology Solutions, leading distribution strategy for media creators and growing YouTube's active users for this cohort over 10 times during her tenure there. Shalini now serves as General Manager and Vice President of Google TV, where she conceived, implemented, and executed the company's TV strategy and is also leading emerging platform technologies at Google. Her leadership and expertise extends to several venues beyond this, though, as she's an author, a much sought-after speaker and leader on digital transformation, a mentor to other South Asian women in tech, and a philanthropist devoted to education. What sparkles clearly is the common aesthetic connection within all of these tech dots, though, is storytelling. And Shalini shared how her formative childhood experiences in Mumbai served up some important ingredients for her future. Because I grew up in Mumbai, I was very much into the Bollywood scene, even then, like now, of course, it's like exploded, but even then, like Bollywood was a big thing and I always wanted to be part of it. Uh, I think I mentioned to you, I had acted briefly in a child uh, themed movie called Hum Bache Hindustan Ke, which never saw the light of the day. It was a really terrible movie, I guess because no one bothered to digitize it. And even when I was at YouTube, we tried finding it and we couldn't right. find it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, so, but I, I still wanted to be part of Bollywood and that really inspired me to look at computer graphics as one methodology of like, you know, computer graphics was making um, inroads into movies and, you know, Lucasfilms had started doing it with Star Wars. And then Pixar came up with short films that had started winning Oscar awards. And so that's what got me into the computer graphics scene. And so then uh, after doing my master's in computer graphics, I joined Pixar. So that was a big theme for me that started with my love and fascination for movies and productions from Mumbai. Um, so I joined Pixar from there. And then after that, you know, moved on to Google and to YouTube and now into Google TV. 
Well, that's great. It goes back to this idea of, you know, how you can, in many ways, uh, reimagine kind of like those elements of your childhood, navigate and weave them in to what you're currently doing. With so many choices and with so much out there, um, for you, it is, is it hard in some ways for uh, listeners or audience members to, because there's so much um, out there, is there ever a, is there ever a risk of having too many choices? Um, or is that just a, a creative dream? Uh, no, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. It's great to have so much choice, right? It's, it's great. Like it, there's a content piece out there for everyone. And that's an amazing world that we live in. And at the same time, too much choice creates confusion. Like, oh my gosh, what should I watch tonight? And there's so much to watch. And we all are aware of this. I, this happens in my household a lot, where we spend 45 minutes trying to figure out what to watch <laughs> right. instead of watching it, yeah. right? And th this was like, you know, solidified for us a few years ago as streaming kind of became mainstream, where we did a survey across 45 countries um, and about 5,000 people. And the, the loud and clear voice that we got from all of these consumers was great to have so much choice and we don't know what to watch. Google, you are the search king right. or queen. Yeah. Help us understand what to watch. And that's really where Google TV came from with that insight of it, which is if Google knows how to index the world's content, why cannot we do that for content and then help people discover content that is personalized for them? It's more applicable for them. It's almost like the navigator and the docent that you sort of need at a museum or, or someone who's curating things for you with such a tremendous pace and an appetite for for content is it hard for audiences and viewers to feel at least that same kind of nostalgic collectively you know when i was growing up you know certainly star wars and et and those kinds of late 70s early 80s movies became such a dramatic part of the of the cultural zeitgeist merely because we all were watching the same things. There weren't very many choices for us to, to actually watch. So is, is it harder to build a community phenomenon? Or, or actually, are there components that in fact are the same, but perhaps the strategy and the vehicles are just different? Um, that's a great, great question, Abhay. I, I think that humans in general need community in, and, and the ways that they interact in community change, but they need it. Yeah. You know, in the olden, olden days, people formed communities around the, the campfire, right? Yeah. And, and the storytelling then. So, so not only do we need community, but a lot of our community is based around food. Yeah. Right? What do we eat? And how do we <laughs> right. share that together? Mm -hmm. And then th that's, of course, the highest level, right? Yeah. Food has got to be the starting point. That's food, right. drinks. <laughs> um, and, then, and then in my mind, and I'm obviously biased, because I'm a storyteller, uh, I think it's stories and it's narratives, it's gossip, it's what what you know, what are we watching together and how are we inspired by it? Sure. And so, in my mind, storytelling kind of is a is a key factor that binds our communities, brings us together. Now, more and more people are watching content on their TVs, and at the same time, what we see is they're engaging on social media really, really closely with. With the content that they're watching, you know, the, like right after House of the Dragon, I think if you saw any of the social media sites, they were all exploding with people's commentary on it. What did I think? What did I like? Uh, here's why you must watch it or must not. Everyone has an opinion. 
but that's kind of how they're participating in this communal aspect of this fantastic story that's coming out. Yeah. And I think that continues through through these new technologies, right? And so Sure. And so that that's how the communities are coming together. It's it's a little bit less maybe for good or maybe for bad, I don't know. I don't want to judge. Yeah. Um, clearly people who have been like in person in real life right. as we call it yeah uh, we find that modality better yeah um however you know I, I i don't think there's anything wrong with people like finding things not in the real world but in the, in the virtual media space. and the virtual world and yeah. that's kind of coming more and more as part of our lifestyles i i wonder if it's harder to develop a like real nostalgia for those kinds of things when there is a perhaps a short lifespan for how long those things last. You know, the phenomenon of something could change minute to minute. And yet there are some pieces that have such an amazing legacy, um, whether they were produced last year or in 1982. Is there a formula perhaps that applies here for people who are trying to like really latch onto something, build community, build a nostalgia when our life cycle and, and media cycles for stories is so short these days. Definitely feels that way, right? Okay, it feels like, okay, you go to Twitter and it's so fleeting, the hashtag, like it, it trends one day and then the next day it's gone. <laughs> That's right. And uh, similarly, you know, if you think of TikTok, it's very quick, short videos that are meant to trend and then meant to go away. That's just the whole phenomenon. Um, and at the same time, despite all of this, there are still the blockbusters that are here to stay. You know, you go to the theater, which is the movie that I just saw, the Marvel series, for example. We just saw one uh, a, a month ago. And that that's become, you know, Marvel has become not for us so much because we're a little bit older, but for our kids, like yeah. that is a phenomenon of their times. And it's going to stay with them. Yeah. For a very very long time, they'll they'll be nostalgic. They'll watch it probably, you know, maybe twenty years from now, the next Marvel that comes out, you know, you watch the reruns before you actually watch the latest one, and so so I think that they're both coexisting in ways that we never thought would happen because before it was always about head, and now there's a long tail. I call it the long tail that trend and go back down. But then some of them become phenomena in their own rights too. Yeah, the, the movie that, that releases and then a few weeks later is is on your TV set. Um, yeah, like the Top Gun Maverick, right? Right, uh, yeah. They, they came very quickly onto streaming, but they're still phenomena in their own rights and yeah. they will stay. And, and you've devoted so much effort and thought and leadership to distribution and access in, in your career in media. How do you look at the process of, say, movie or TV making? or content creating differently as someone who has that hat on, that lens on with creating and providing access and, and the distribution strategy that's there. Does this perspective ever enhance or even compromise the artistic delivery? Yes and no. You know, I think that distribution in a world of too much choice, distribution can be really hard. Uh, in ways that were not hard previously, but there are other things that become easier. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So in the early days of radio and television, if you got on and got curated onto a particular channel, you were golden. Because once you got onto the channel, there were not that many choices for people. And so people would watch what you had to produce. 
However, getting in there was a challenge because you had all of these middlemen who were basic middlemen or women who were basically the gatekeepers, right? With the internet and with anyone being able to take their phone and camera, or, you know, in this case, a podcast over the internet that you and I are doing, right. anyone can create really good and compelling content. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, you know, the, the fact of putting it up there is become a lot easier, mm. but the fact of finding it for general audiences has become harder. And so how do people discover that Abhay and Shalini have had a very interesting conversation, but how are they going to discover that? How are they going to find it in the world of so much choice? Yeah. So I think that aspect has become a little bit more difficult. And that's what, you know, platforms like Google TV and YouTube try to solve for consumers from a content lens. And so, you know, when you talk about people, are they becoming less artistic? It is true that a lot of artists now will like look at what's the trend for today? What's right. the hashtag? And let me produce for that as opposed to the other way around. So there is some of that going on. Um, I think it'll stabilize though over time. You because, you know, at the end, people don't want to watch. No one has time to watch things that are low quality. And, and do you, when you have discussions with either content creators or people who are pitching and iterating and in the room when you're having this discussion, do you, do you have to gently steer them to apply some of that balance sometimes? We did. We, at YouTube, we did a lot of it. We had, um, you know, my team used to work very closely with not only creators, but also with brand advertisers and brands who are looking to get exposure. And so those were all things that we have to consider. Well, what's trending? What's your audience thinking about? What are they looking for? How do you make a message that resonates with them while making sure that your message comes through so that balance always has to be found? And those are definitely things that we constantly are advising and working on. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Shalini Govilpai. And I want to share more with you now about Indiaspora, a nonprofit whose mission is to inspire and position the global Indian diaspora to be a force for good. Celebrating their 10th anniversary this year, the organization is engaged in the areas of philanthropy, social impact, entrepreneurship, innovation, as well as civic and nonpartisan political engagement. Indiaspora is active in an ever-expanding list of countries, including the US, UK, Canada, the UAE, Singapore, and Australia, and super active in conversations about important topics right here at home, like a community event coming up this week called Reproductive Rights Ruling, Legal and Political Implications, a virtual discussion being held on Thursday, September 29th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can find out more at www.indiaspora.org or follow Indiaspora on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Hi, I'm Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing with Abe Dandika. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with Vice President of Google TV, Shalini Govilpai. In, in your mind's eye as an Indian American, as a woman in you know, the tech world in Silicon Valley, in, in media, when you kind of reflect on, on the current state of affairs, what do you think are some of the gaps in content, in storytelling, in messaging, that, that are priorities that need to be addressed? You know, I, 
there are a few areas that I think could do better. And by the way, like over the last few years, I think storytelling has just taken on a life of its own across all mediums. It's not just storytelling for a big production. It's also storytelling for just, you know, in terms of video blogging, in terms of showcasing the different documentaries that are happening, what's happening around the world. Those are all aspects that are part of this. I, I think the ones that I think about more deeply are more like social causes. For example, sustainability is one that's top of mind for everyone now. Like all of us who, especially who have kids and who know that this planet, we need to preserve it. What are the stories that we're telling around sustainability that can really help people understand and create a movement around it? So I think that's a very, very powerful thing that storytelling can do, and we've not yet gotten the traction there. Um, the other one I would love to see more of is really the global cultural aspect, helping people understand, well, this is the culture that I come from. This is my background, you know, whether it's racial, whether it's uh, demographic, whether it's gender. You know, those are like some of the stories that are starting to come up. But I think, we again, that's where I think we could do more of. When, when you think of your own experience as a, as a woman in tech and as an Indian American, would it have been in some ways important to have some of those story arcs already written? So for instance, women who are Indian American and actually now entering this space, you know, perhaps are these going to be the accelerators for their success in the future? Yes, I would hope so. I, I think... You know, one of the things that I, when I was growing up in engineering and in IIT, where I was what we call an only, you know, now that term has become an only, a common one, but at that time, no one knew that what it meant. Um, but, you know, like, you know, the only girl in class is, is a lonely and it's an only. And what does that mean in terms of their shaping up? You know, a large part was I felt like I had to be very self-reliant. Like I had to do everything, all my homework by myself. I had to understand things by myself. Whereas, you know, for the guys, it was a, it was also about social. Like they did it together. They did their homework together. And there's been lots of studies of it that show that actually that modality of working and doing homework together is better for students and they learn more. And they also learn more on the social aspects because you know, we all accelerate in our careers because of the people that we know and what they can do and for helping us. But, you know, as a lonely and an only, you kind of never realize that. You feel like you have to be self-reliant. And it's only over time that you start learning, oh, there's, you know, there's a village around me that needs to help me too. And how do I lean on that? And so I think those are some aspects that, that you know, more storytelling, more books, more, more awareness that this can happen. And so be conscious about it. Make sure you sometimes have to do a little bit more in those aspects to really help yourself over the long term. I think those are things that can go a long way for helping our our younger generation. Yeah. And for those who maybe feel like they're the onlys or, or they feel like they're the onlys and the lonelies, hopefully that means that there are all these kind of life rafts and you know support systems. And like you said, the sort of building a community in Silicon Valley in particular, is, is that hard to find still? Yeah, you know, there's a lot uh, for women leaders now. They're, you know, I'm a member of two organizations that are amazingly supportive and nurturing. One of them is Chief that, in fact, just got funded. 
in order to support this really great cause of bringing women leaders together. Um, there's another one called Netri, which my friend Metli has started, um, but she has started one for South Asian women. Yeah. And that's another one that has been phenomenal in terms of providing a support structure for women leaders in, in, in all stages in their career, right? Because yeah. we can all help each other in many different ways. And so um, I'm also a member of Thai, which is the Indian entrepreneurs. Now, that's not gender focused so much as it is just Indian focused. And that, you know, that started how many years ago? I can't remember, but in the early days, that was, there were no Indian entrepreneurs. I just met with Kanwal Reiki, in fact, a couple of weekends ago at an IIT conference. And he was talking about how, you know, when he became uh, an entrepreneur, he was told, oh, Indians are good at tech, but you're not good in business. So what are you doing here? And he took that as a challenge. He was like the first one. And then he started time. And I think those are like amazing organizations that can really support and nurture and help. Yeah, blazing trails and and having sort of pathfinders who are there. And in that way, uh, I'm imagining that these are sort of ladders and, you know, sort of networks of mentorship that are are freely available and provide some great access. Would you say that the environment now is the ingredients are are super conducive for folks to, to really start innovating and coming up with new areas where this can translate. So whether it's tech or whether it's finance or whether it's another space in the sort of general global landscape, have you seen this kind of trickle effect spread across away from tech and away from entrepreneurship into other areas too? So two things, right? One one part is the world has become much smaller now. And so, you know, with, with information at our fingertips, you know, what I was talking about with you have access to the internet, you have the world at your fingertips, right? Like that's how the world has become. And so it's a huge advantage to be able to understand that and to be able to use it in ways that were much harder for us, right? Away for when we were growing up. And so I think that's a huge plus. Uh, on the challenge side, I think that if you have the world at your fingertips, well, so does everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it's incumbent on you to figure out what is my strength? What is my superpower that I'm going to leverage to come up ahead? And that's always existed, this, you know, understanding your superpower. But I think that the competition has become more intense because it's now global and there's people coming from everywhere. And so I think that's, that's what entrepreneurs and whether it's in tech or otherwise have to think through is what is my superpower? Is it my network? Is it the skills that I've acquired through my experiences? Is it some insight that I have that others don't? I think you have to really lean on that more and more to really create a niche for yourself and to grow. No, and I think that's that's actually lovely to hear you sort of like articulate and, and map out for others to hear about. I remember reading a Forbes piece on innovation and leadership that you actually wrote earlier this year, mentioning kind of the importance of playing your own lead character and in some ways building a story structure around yourself. And, and I'm wondering now, as you go forward, um, as an again, an Indian American, a woman who leads others in tech and media, what are some of the questions that you're asking yourself as your own character develops? And as you build your own story structure as you go forward? That's a great question. And I'm still thinking on it. 
Um, but you know, like, yeah, what is the, what is the next chapter? You know, we're always, you know, as we're growing up, it's like, okay, I want to get into a good school. And then once I have in good school, I want to get into a good job and I want to become vice president of, of a really big company. And so you always got the next chapter lined up. And so, yes, for me, it's like at this point, you know, I've achieved a lot. I've been very successful in the things that I've taken on, really seen tech take over a lot of aspects of storytelling, which has been close to me. Um, and what's next is something that I'm still thinking about. Is is it philanthropy? I spoke about sustainability. Is that an aspect that I want to dig deeper into and really apply my skill sets there? Um, so, yeah, so I'm... I'm still, and my next chapter is still not written. <laughs> still working through that. <laughs> and, and let me ask you this, as you, you know, look into the future and forecast what your lead character looks like and what your lead character is doing, how would you maybe want others to describe that lead character in a few years as this, as this sort of story evolves? Yeah, I think that I've always thought of, of using, you know, when I was at Pixar, one of the statements Steve Jobs made, which has always stuck with me, is it's all about the story. Yeah. That was exactly his words. So it's not about the tech, yeah. right? Especially for movie making, it was not about the tech. Tech was an enabler, but it was about the story. If the story is not good, who cares, yeah. right? Whether the grass was rendered through the SGI machine or through That's something right. else, it, it was really about the narrative. And I think that that always remains with me. And then I, when I build products, it's about the product. It's not about what cool machine learning algorithm did I use in the back end. If we're doing sustainability, it's about how is sustainability hitting critical mass. It's not about what cool new technology we were using to achieve it. Yeah. Although there is probably a lot of that, right? Sure. And so, so that's really what I always think of myself as is, is a person who's thinking about how do we use technology for the betterment of a program or a product or the world yeah. and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's what I would like to always be remembered for is always thinking about what is the problem, what is the goal, and then how do we apply technology to achieve that. Do you think that your this wonderful approach to applying technology to solve problems like this are they equally important in solving the problems that we have in sustainability, in philanthropy, as our sort of community goes forward? Yes, I'm a woman leader in tech, <laughs> so very biased. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in general, I think what we've seen over the last de few decades is the pivot points for a lot of the challenges that the world has been facing have been solved through technology. And so I continue to believe that. And I continue to be biased towards that. I'm sure there are naysayers who will say, no, in fact, maybe technology has created some of the problems and that's absolutely sure. fair as well. <clears throat> but I've always found that, that you know, there's always been a technology that the world has come together on that have solved major issues and challenges. And so I continue to believe that. And with that, with that belief, does that fuel a lot of optimism for you? to give you that sort of wind under the sails to make those things happen? Yes. Well, we are hopefully writing that optimism. And as your superpowers <laughs> evolve and as your story continues to develop, hopefully we'll be 
checking in. Thank you so, so much for, for joining us. And it was really a pleasure. Thank you, Abey. I really enjoyed our time together. And thank you so much again, Shalini, for your optimism and for all that you represent in Silicon Valley and beyond. And I want to make sure to remind everyone to please visit indiaspora.org and follow them on social media for the latest events, activities, and ways to get involved. Please also register to vote and make your voice heard. Till next time, I'm Abhay Darnikar. Because every story told is a lesson learned, because every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Darnikar, and I share stories about people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Listen online at ruckusavenueradio.com and on the Dash Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Yo, yo, this is Amr Sandhu, and you're checking out my new record, Fake Love, alongside Guru Randava, on the one and only Ruckus Avenue Radio. Let's go! Like, 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 like,